This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you, everyone who is joining us. We're doing something a little different today. While this show is being aired on YouTube, on Twitter, it is also going to be in the Another Dolphins podcast feed. We've been a little busy this week, so we thought, hey, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll do a little synergizing here. But what we are doing today is we're getting down to the details. We are discussing Miami's offensive line. And as we go through this exercise, our goal is to answer four main questions. Number one, simple, where do things stand? Number two, what makes them good? Number three, what needs to happen this offseason, even though we only got about a month of it left? And fourth and finally, what does success look like on the field? So, Merrick, we have a list of all the guys on this roster here. I want to ask you, where do things stand with this group? How are you feeling about this offensive line? Is the queasy meter, is your hand about ready to turn it up? Where do things stand? I, I I think your answer will vary depending on who you ask, you know what I mean? There's a lot of Dolphins fans who, like you said, their queasy meter is kind of off the charts with this group and and maybe rightfully so. If you look at, you know, some of the weaker position groups on the team, I think offensive line would be uh, in that bucket, maybe only behind tight end as far as weakest position groups on the team. Um, but strangely enough, as things uh, tend to do once once a, a group of people hammer one ideology on Twitter for so long, then inevitably you get the people who gravitate towards the opposite ideology. So recently, I would say over the last few days on Dolphins Twitter, I've been seeing a lot of tweets about how oh that offensive line isn't as bad as people think it is, and and you know when you when you compare it to offensive lines around the league. It's really not that bad, maybe middle of the pack. And and with the rest of the team being as good as we hope they are, 
Maybe you don't need a top 10 offensive line group to have a successful season if you're the Miami Dolphins. I don't know. I'm not sure where I stand on this. I have historically, at least over the last couple seasons, I've historically been on the train of we need to beef up the trenches. This offensive line group needs to be better. They need to figure out starting left guard. They need to figure out starting right tackle. And until they do that, they're not going anywhere. But maybe because it's June 21st and, uh, you know, for every fan base, but specifically for us in the Miami Dolphins, hope is springing anew. Maybe I'm starting to lean towards the, hey, it's not so bad kind of group. And I know that's where you fall. I know you don't think this unit is as bad as a lot of people on Dolphins Twitter would lead you to believe. So maybe maybe that's your job today, Jake. Maybe you are here to convince me that Uh-oh. we are okay with Liam Eikenberg at left guard, Austin Jack. Jackson at right tackle and and then the uh the scrap heap uh players that the Dolphins acquired this offseason to to fill in the depth maybe that's your job today so I still remember um going to community college 10 years ago and just panicking panicking about that offensive line that Ryan Tannehill was behind and I always you know felt like that's why Ryan Tannehill never reached you know the ceiling he did maybe in Tennessee where they were the one overall seed what people ignore is that the Dolphins just flat out sucked Joe Philbin was an awful coach. Adam Gase was an awful coach. This was a team that just was not built properly. I I love what you're saying in terms of building in the trenches. Uh, To build in the trenches, though, does it need to be a bunch of high draft picks? Does it need to be these guys who come in and out every day and are absolute studs, you know, pro football focus rated near the top? Because over the years after watching the Dallas Thomases, the Billy Turners, the Tyson Claybos of the world, my grocery list when it comes to Miami's offensive line is simple. Don't suck. Don't be one of the worst units in the entire league. If you're ranked 17, you can win with that. If you're ranked higher, all of a sudden Miami's run game is probably awesome. If you're ranked lower, they suck. And we do not want to be there. But when I put it in that simple of terms, when I start asking, does this group suck? Merrick, the one thing that super stands out to me, more than anything on this roster, Ryan Hayes, Miami's seventh round pick. He is slated as the team's third left tackle right now behind Toronto Armstead, who we all can admit there are injury concerns there. Kendall Lamb, another guy, Merrick. I think you're the one who reminded me he played uh, half a game, was awesome, and then got hurt, and then that was the last we saw of him. Just look this up, actually. He played 32 snaps the entire season. It was one game. It was against the Patriots on January 1st. They were 32 dope snaps, though. I'm I'm in on it. Good snaps. And you have a seventh-round pick as your third-string left tackle. Sure, that's fine. Third string, if disaster strikes, disaster strikes. There's only one more player on this entire offensive line in the entire depth chart who is 23 years old, like Ryan Hayes. Fourth year vet Austin Jackson. I have said this so many times. I am such a broken record. But, man, when I look at this group, you know, Connor Williams starting, he's 26 years old. Dan Feeney, his backup, 29 years old. Yes, he doesn't have the greatest stats in the world, but would you rather have uh, someone like Dan Feeney who has the experience or like a Jesse Davis back there? Who who would you prefer? Well, I mean, you, you there's plenty more things in life that I would prefer than to ever watch 
Jesse Davis play football for the Miami Dolphins again. And I think that is one thing that the often divided Dolphins Twitter can agree upon is no more Jesse Davis, please and thank you. He would have been the uh, most amazing, like, seventh man on your depth chart. He's a guy who you can slot into one of any of the, I'll say, four out of the five positions, and he'd be okay for just one game. But once he's in there, two, three, four games, and defenses can really game plan and say, who's this guy? Why is he on that offensive line? That's where he got killed. That is where he became such an issue. But, Merrick, you mentioned one of the key positions that this offensive line needs to figure out, left guard. Liam Eichenberg struggled. His pro football focus stats, god-awful. However, his backup, Robert Jones, who's just one year younger at him at, than him at 24 years old, he started a playoff game last year. Talk about depth. Talk about experience. And I don't know about you, man, but I think I'd be kind of okay if, you know, they're going through it on CBS on a 1 o'clock on a uh, Sunday, and I just see Robert Jones' big smiling face on that offensive line. That wouldn't make me too queasy. Yeah, no, Robert Jones, he filled in admirably. I don't think he, you know, I don't think he excelled. I Not don't think stunt, he was, yeah. yeah, he wasn't one of the top offensive linemen in the league, but I thought he did all right. And let's face it, doing all right on the Miami Dolphins offensive line, that's better than a lot of these guys have done in the in the last few years. So so we'll take that. I think you bring up a good point um, with this with this entire group. I like the depth on this offensive line. Now, I may be a little, uh, you know, a little leery of some of these starters, right? Sure. We're talking about Liam, Liam Eikenberg. Obviously, we're going to talk about Austin Jackson. But like Tron Armstead, he's solid. Obviously, he gets injured. You need a backup plan. But that's why you got Kendall Lamb, who had 32 magnificent snaps against the Beautiful. New England Patriots. And, and then you got Connor, Connor Williams. You think you have Connor Williams, at least, uh, at center. He's a really good football player as well. Uh, and then you got Robert Hunt. At right guard, he is also a really good football player and could, you know, find himself with a new contract with the Miami Dolphins within a year or two. So uh, there are some some positions that you look at and you go, all right, we're good on that. But it's it's the weak spots, the the left guard. And then in particular, that right tackle spot, which happens to be to his blind side because he's a left handed quarterback, where a lot of us go. We could get some upgrades there, and I think a lot of people expected some upgrades there this offseason, and they just didn't come. You know, mm -hmm. the Dolphins signed some players to fill those spots, but again, more so as depth pieces, less so as players who will compete for starting jobs at those spots. You know, it's still early. We'll see what happens when training camp rolls around. But I feel better about the, the depth on this unit than I have in a few years at the very least. Yeah, and I think it's a little interesting. Right tackles where they have the most depth. There's four guys listed as right tackles on the depth chart. Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wynn, Cedric Obwehi, and Jerron Christian. But I think it's important to keep in mind here, too, the two positions of concern with the Dolphins, right? Left guard and right tackle. Two of the right tackles can also, I think, slide into left guard and be solid in terms of Isaiah Wynn and Austin Jackson. They might want to keep Isaiah Wynn on the edge as a tackle just in case there are Armstead issues. But Merrick, I think there's a debate to be had. If, would you prefer having guys who are a little more flexible, but it sacrifices the knowledge and experience of really getting to know one position? Or would you prefer these guys to really dive in, get into and really understand one of these positions? Yes, it's a little tighter when injuries happen, but you just know they are confident in their performance and they know what they can do. 
Well, I, I do appreciate position versatility. You never know what's going to happen on game day. You never know oh, yeah. who is going to go down, and you hope it's not one of the studs. But if it is, let's say a Teron Armstead goes down, like we talked about. He's often injured. You can guarantee that Teron Armstead, on average, is going to miss about 20% of your team's games. Uh, in fact, last year, he was supposed to miss – the entire season sans week one. His doctors told him, you need to get season-ending surgery. Thankfully, he decided not to do so. He played plenty more games for the Dolphins, and I'm uh, I'm scared. I would have been scared to see how that season would have played out had Teron Armstead not manned the left tackle position for a majority of the games. But let's say Teron Armstead goes out. Now you got to slide somebody in at left tackle. Who's that going to be? Do you take Austin Jackson from that right tackle spot and have him play left tackle where he has played in the past. You know, he was solid there his rookie season, kind of not so solid the rest of the time playing left tackle. But do you slide him over there? And then who do you slide at right tackle? Maybe Robert Hunt moves over to right tackle. So now you need somebody at your right guard spot. Who's that going to be? Is that going to be Lester Cotton? Or would you feel better about putting Isaiah, Isaiah Wynn in at right guard? Would you feel better at putting a, a Robert Jones or a Dan Feeney, you know, taking them from their left guard spot and putting them at the right guard spot? I like the position versatility just because it gives you more options. It gives you more options to get the best five guys out there, no matter what their main position is. Uh, you can get the best five, find the best combination, and hopefully – keep your quarterback upright and keep your run game running strong. And and the thing I think people forget about flexibility is every defense is different too, right? You know, everyone I think wants to get that perception of this offensive line gives us the highest Madden grade as possible. These are our five highest graded players. But I mean, I think too, there are situations where uh, if players go down, all of a sudden you're facing a very, very heavy three, four defense with a lot of big guys up front. That's going to be different. And players are going to have more or less success compared to a four, three defense where everyone's a little lighter, but there's more guys on the front. So I think that's something to keep in mind too, with that flexibility where I, I do agree with you, but once the injuries start happening and they're going to happen, especially playing in the trenches and the NFL, I would love just to know that, hey, Kendall Lamb spent all offseason trying to be that backup left tackle and slide in there instead of just having an offensive line that turns into a snake that's eating its tail and all of a sudden this is a weakness, this is a weakness. But there's a lot of time to figure that stuff out. Merrick, I wrote down here what makes this group good, and it's a kind of interesting because I wrote down maybe one thing before I got into some things that made them bad, all right? But Average age for this Miami's projected starters, if we're going with Armstead, Eichenberg, Williams, Hunt, and Jackson, is 26 years old. The age of the reserves, 27. So, to me, I think what makes this group good, and we kind of hit on it already, is just that depth, that understanding of a bunch of veterans as your backups. These aren't undrafted guys like we saw in the past. This isn't a situation where Adam Gates can walk in the locker room, cut three guys, and you get excited about it. This isn't an offense that can operate that way. It just seems like there's a little more... Uh, preparation with the group and understanding of what players can do what in certain situations. Yeah. And I agree. I, I like the depth in this unit. If you're asking me, what do I think makes them good? I think it's Teron Armstead. I really mm -hmm. do think Teron Armstead's influence as almost like a coach on the field. I think he makes them better. I think when he wasn't playing last year, you saw everyone along that offensive line, maybe Sands, uh, Connor Williams. You saw them all kind of take a step back collectively as a group. Mm -hmm. When he was on the field as the captain of that unit, you saw 
players playing better because he's able to tell you, you know, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of battle, hey, make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're focusing on this. Oh, hey, I noticed this guy was using this technique against you. Here's how you can counter that. Here's how, uh, you know, you can you can solidify your spot on the line, which will help the rest of the guys around you. And I think when he's on the field and he's able to to do that for this offensive line, they're a much better group than when he's not on the field. And again, we're we're crossing our fingers. We're knocking on wood. We're we're casting spells. Whatever we need to do. Work in the freezer. Those, those Twitter prayer circles. We're 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 doing those all off season long, and once the season starts as well, to keep Teron Armstead healthy and keep him on the field because this unit is just much better when he's playing. He's kind of like when you're playing Guitar Hero and you activate Star Power, right? It just kind of makes everything better. You can still miss notes, but it doesn't hurt you as much. I, I completely agree. I think he's just such a great tone setter, and I don't think the Dolphins have really had that on the offensive line since, like, a Mike Pouncey, I'd say. Uh, I mean, I don't know where we'd start arguing about talent on that, but I just think there's a certain attitude with these guys, maybe a certain level of confidence that you can really appreciate. One of the things that this offense did really well, Merrick, is only eight teams allowed less sacks than the Miami Dolphins last year. After years of watching, you know, Tannehill get clobbered in the backfield, Jay Cutler getting clobbered in the backfield. It's nice to kind of see that the quarterbacks aren't taking as many hits, but I do want to ask you, do you think this is a sign that the Dolphins offensive line is moving in the right direction? Or is this kind of like 2021 where Tua had such a high completion percentage, but then you watch the offense and you're like, all right, it's because he's getting the ball out in 0.2 seconds in this college gimmicky offense where you're hoping to get seven yards on a play. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it was, I mean, Tua does have a very quick release and he, he, he has a short time to throw the ball and he's kind of mastered that. But I think a lot of it can fall on the footwork of Tua. I think Tua has really good footwork within the pocket. Nobody's going to say Tua is the most mobile quarterback out there, but within the framework of the pocket, he is able to evade the rush, extend the play a little bit uh, and, and get the ball out there. And I think also Miami's receivers they get open very quickly. They're very, very fast guys, uh, and they're able to get open quickly. So I don't know if I want to, I, I, if I want to put the success, uh, at least in that metric, on the offensive linemen themselves. Uh, I think it, it, certainly the it can be shared. That success can be shared with Tua and those receivers. The Dolphins didn't allow the negative plays, but they allowed a lot of negative pre-snap issues. Merrick, fifth most penalties in the NFL was the Miami Dolphins. 18 false starts. To me, yes, you're going to allow sacks. There's sometimes you're just facing guys who are better than you. 18 false starts, that is correctable. That is an issue that should not be happening. Um, I'm curious to what you think, because I think when we think about this group, it's the idea of, hey, they don't allow a lot of sacks, but I think this is the Achilles heel of the group. Isn't their ability to protect Tua, but just these penalties that are just brutal. Robert Hunt, four false starts. Robert Hunt, four holding penalties, both leading the team. We talk about how great he is as a player, and I think we can agree once the film turns on and you're watching the plays, that's the case. But the thing that's keeping him from being maybe outside of the pro football focus, uh, top guards or whatever it may be, is the fact that I think this uh, entire unit has an issue when it comes to penalties. And do you think that's kind of part of the offense, just them hurrying to get to the line, maybe being a little late? Or is this something that you do expect to be fixed in year two under Mike McDaniel? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head right there, you know, towards the end of what you were saying. 
that this team, they were getting play calls in late all year long. Uh, this was a problem no matter who the quarterback was, whether it was Tua, whether it was uh, Teddy, whether it was Skyler. These play calls were getting in late. And, that, you know, that's a product of Mike McDaniel being a rookie head coach and, and kind of needing to learn that aspect of being a play caller. He had actually never called plays before in the NFL, despite being, you know, an offensive genius, uh, at least purported offensive genius. And then I think we kind of saw uh, he kind of lived up to that as the Dolphins uh, main play caller uh, last year. But, you know, a byproduct of that was was getting these play calls in on time. And the Dolphins just weren't able to do that consistently throughout the season. So they were always getting to uh, the line of scrimmage late, uh, which caused some timing issues. You know, that leads to false start penalties. That leads to holding penalties. Uh, and hopefully, Mike McDaniel has already said this offseason that he's been working on that. He wants to get better at that. He wants the Dolphins to be better Um you know, at that getting line or getting calls in uh, in a timely fashion. If the Dolphins can improve that, if Mike McDaniel can improve that, then I think you'll see some of these penalty numbers come down just a little bit. And the Dolphins had 35, quote unquote, other penalties, ones that aren't checked. So not holdings, you know, delay of games, false starts, pass interference, not those. The one that sticks out in terms of other illegal man downfield, the Dolphins oh. ran into that issue so many times on what seemed like very exciting plays and maybe a guy's one or two yards down the field. And Merrick, this is where I started to kind of figure out that I don't think this offensive line is that bad. These are correctable penalties, the false starts, the illegal man downfield. If you take away those, and this is like a not suck in terms of penalties, this is a decent offensive line. And I, I think about that. I think about these negative penalties. That is the one issue. Yes, they do struggle in some areas. There are some weak spots on that offensive line, but you fix that. And I think everyone's more than content with how this offensive line plays. Those illegal man downfield penalties Brutal. drove me in. It felt like we were seeing them at least every week, if not multiple times every week. And I, I mean, I am a coach for a living. It's what I do. One of my biggest pet peeves is when you make the same mistake over and over and over and over again. I'm like, don't you learn from your mistakes? But a lot of that comes down to coaching. Again, I'm a coach for a living. It's what I do. If, if, if my students are making the same mistake over and over again, then I need to do something different with my coaching style to get it through their heads that this is not what you need to be doing. This is how you need to be doing it. And the Dolphins brought in a new offensive line coach, Butch Berry. Now he doesn't come to Miami with the most sterling of reputations. Uh, in fact, it sounds like most of his players hated his guts, at least in Denver I'll last year. Right but maybe that's what the Miami Dolphins offensive line needs a little bit. Maybe they need a little bit of that tough love. Maybe they need somebody getting in their faces and, and kind of screaming at them a little bit saying, are you kidding me? Another illegal man downfield penalty. Are you dumb? Like, like let's clean this up. Or maybe he'll just write it on a sticky note and put it in the locker. Like he's been known to do. Hopefully he doesn't do that. We, we really got to correct that behavior from Butch Berry, but, uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's all this offensive line needs. Maybe they need a hard ass like Barry to come in and, and coach him up just a little bit more than they were getting last year. 
maybe he'll address the entire locker room on uh, index cards like Joe Philbin did to really set the tone about what he's looking for in his players. I mean, that's just that's if that if you can correct these little errors, especially in year two of a new of a system. I mean, all these projected starters will be entering the second year. There's a level of continuity there, and I think that just goes so so far when you're talking about what this team wants to accomplish. Uh, but before I put the carriage for the horse here and we talk about what needs to happen this offseason, Merrick. How about you figure out for me right now what happens at left guard and right tackle? Well, I mean, I think you're I think the Dolphins are banking on improvement from Liam Eikenberg. Uh, you know, you're starting left guard and Austin Jackson, you're starting right tackle. I think that's what's going to happen at the very least um, at the beginning of the year. I think that's what we'll see, you know, and if they stay healthy. The job is theirs to lose. Do they lose it? It's quite possible. It really is. Those guys have not played well the last few seasons. Uh, Austin Jackson, a former first-round pick, has not lived up to the billing. Um, and he's kind of – this is kind of his last chance. He's going into the final year of his deal. The Dolphins declined the fifth-year option on him. So if he doesn't play well this year, you're not going to see him uh, back in a Dolphins uniform. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of Dolphins fans out there shedding a tear if Austin Jackson isn't brought back next season. But he, he's got to figure it out. Mike McDaniel thinks that both players were looking – promising before their injuries um you heard about how liam eichenberg had a great game the week prior or was playing really well in that lions game before he went down with the injury we'll see if if he can get back to that form that the the dolphins coaches said he was at uh i mean we've talked about it but i'll remind you he is an orange jersey award winner yeah <laughs> this offseason at uh I believe it was at minicamp. Yep, because he was the last winner of the uh, of the award. And again, we've debated whether or not that's just the team sending a message to Connor Williams because Eichenberg actually got the orange jersey for his work at center, not at left guard. So if Connor Williams comes back, which I think we all fully expect will happen, whether that's a new deal, a reworked deal, or just him you know, getting tired of paying the fines that you have to pay for skipping mandatory practices. But, you know, if and when Connor Williams comes back, Liam Eichenberg will move back to that left guard spot. We'll see if he can carry over some of that positive momentum that he's gathered at the center spot and just take it one step over. All you got to do is take one quick step to your left, Liam. And it's essentially the same thing. Is it not? In fact, it should be easier because you don't have to worry about snapping a football between your legs before you get up into your pass set there. So we're looking for improvement from Liam Eichenberg, but we're also looking improvement, looking for improvement from Austin Jackson. They say he slimmed down. I don't know. Last time I checked, you didn't want your offensive lineman to slim down? Is that... Wouldn't that Wide actually zone be offense, thing? man. I'll hit you with these clicky words. Wide zone offense, man. You, just, you need them to be able to run. Yeah. So, I mean, unless they start playing uh, NFL football shirtless, um, I don't know if slimming down and, and getting that, that sleek, sinewy muscle tone will actually be good for Austin Jackson's ability to block defensive linemen or not. But uh, but we shall see if Mike McDaniel and the coaching staff, if they're willing to give Eichenberg and Jackson another chance, then who are we as fans of the team, as YouTubers, as podcasters, to say that those millionaire experts are wrong and we, the guys with the headphones on, on your internet screens are right? Mm. I'm glad you brought up Connor Williams, and and uh, one quick note on that: things are going to get really interesting if he does not show up once training camp begins. Uh, the latest uh, 
collective bargaining agreement really dialed in on players missing the start of training camp once that begins those penalties are not nearly severe even though it's called the mandatory mini camp so i do wonder if this was connor williams only time to make some sort of statement and it will be made and then he'll show up to training camp that's just something to keep in mind that those penalties really start to build up and with his contract if he wants more money the the worst way to make more money is to get less money so i do wonder what's going to happen there with the example checks out for sure <laughs> the math there uh, to kind of talk about the penalties and what needs to happen this offseason looking at you know i'll say three of the four positions three of the five positions the three positions that the dolphins drafted guys at austin jackson robert hunt and leah meikenberg i'm not going to say this is going to happen but would you call miami's bluff if they decided to maybe bench one of these guys for a half just from penalties or, or silly little things because looking at this group we mentioned it Left guard backup, Robert Jones, just how things are now. Obviously, things can shuffle around a lot, but Robert Jones, playoff experience. Lester Cotton Sr. at right guard, playoff experience. Right tackle, you got Isaiah Wynn and Cedric O'Boyhe who can do it. So could there be a situation where this competition really pushes these starters to say, hey, if I mess up twice in a game, I, I'm going to be sitting on the bench, so I really got to stay dialed in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's one of the main reasons they went out and got these guys who have experience playing in NFL games, you know, live games. A lot of us wanted the Dolphins to draft rookies, but you're right. They've already invested a lot of draft picks into this offensive line, and it hasn't really panned out so far. So let's take a different approach. Let's go purchase some offensive linemen from other teams. Last year, they purchased Teron Armstead and Connor Williams, both expensive additions this year they they purchased new linemen but they went for cheaper additions bargain bin additions isaiah win exactly dan feeney these guys were cheaper additions but they're still additions and they're still veteran additions they have playing experience in the national football league so I think that speaks to the short leashes that Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson in particular are on. And if they don't get their stuff figured out, then they will be replaced, whether that's like you mentioned, uh, penalty related or play related. If we see Austin Jackson whiff on a block and Tua gets, you know, blindsided by somebody and, 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 breaks a couple ribs just like Jesse Davis did against the Buffalo Bills a, a couple years ago. If we see that, if we see deja vu uh, with Austin Jackson, the culprit this year, then yeah, he's not going to be in that starting lineup anymore. At least he wouldn't be in my starting lineup if I was the head coach. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But like we've talked about earlier in the episode, uh, we do feel a little more comfortable with the depth along this along this offensive line within this position group. And so if something like that were to happen, I feel a little bit better about that this year than I would have in years past. When we talk about what success looks like on the field, I mean, we, we already blew in the face talking about penalties, but you know, we hear Mike McDaniel talking about he wants to run the ball more and the Dolphins need to run the ball more. Is there any chance that was an offensive line issue? Because some of these numbers are absolutely crazy. You know, Miami didn't have a 100-yard rusher until week five. That's when Tua got hurt against the Bengals. A player surpassed 100 rushing yards three times last year. And then Miami's leading rusher had less than 60 yards nine times last year. Man, I don't know about you, but those sound like Ryan Fitzpatrick numbers. They, they do sound like Fitzpatrick numbers. Uh, listen, I think... It's not lip service. When Mike McDaniel tells you he wants to run the ball more and he wants his running game to be more effective, I believe him because all signs point to that being true. 
one of the positions that helps you run the ball better uh, if you excel in this position is the tight end group. And I know we're talking about offensive linemen today, but the Dolphins basically said, hey, pass catching tight ends. Yeah, we don't really need those guys. We're not interested in those guys. You know, we're going to re-up Durham Smythe. We're going to to bring in a, a Tyler Croft. We're going to bring in who's the other tight end they brought uh, Eric in? Sauber. Uh, Eric, Eric Sauber. Right. These guys are more so known for their blocking ability than they are their pass catching ability. And that's because in a wide zone scheme in this uh, Shanahan slash McDaniel scheme, you need your tight ends to block. So the dolphins go out, they get themselves some blocking tight ends uh, and, and, you know, pick up these depth pieces along the offensive line. Uh, Isaiah Wynn, I believe rated as a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. So, you get that there as well. He's actually been playing starting left guard in camp uh, while Eichenberg like has, has moved over to, over to center. I like that as well. He's got more of a, a guard frame. He's a shorter type guy. I think he's just over six foot one, um, which is relatively short for an offensive lineman in the National Football League. But again, I think Mike McDaniel's commitment to running the ball uh, more often and more effectively. That's not just lip service. That's not just him blowing smoke. That's just not him trying to make his running backs happy. I think that's real. And I think you are going to see the Dolphins run the ball uh, a little bit more this season. And hopefully you'll you'll see it be a little more effective on the field. They love those stretch runs to the outside. And a key for them running rushing the football too is just Teron Armstead being he healthy because he's such a stud out there. Just being able to get to the second level as such a big dude and clear out linebackers. I think another thing, and, you know, we bring up tight ends talking about improving the rushing attack as we're doing a show about the offensive line. How about the defense? I think the defense is going to allow this team to rush the ball so much more often because you think about last year, and I mean, I, I always say that Mike McDaniel thought of um, third down as a party trick, right? He, he wanted to do a keg stand. He wanted to show off all these fast receivers. But if the Dolphins have a defense that is shutting down opponents and, you know, you're winning, let's say, I don't know, 21 to 10 in the middle of the third quarter or something along those lines, all of a sudden you want to go back to the offense that McDaniel operated in San Francisco. One of the biggest surprises last year was Miami's pace of play on offense. A lot of very smart analysts projected that this is going to be an offense while they have a lot of firepower, they're going to operate slowly. And that wasn't the case. They were a very up-tempo, fast-paced team. However, once this defense really locks down on players and you know, you're know you not blitzing and giving up an 80-yard touchdown and forcing your offense right back on the field, all of a sudden you want to start squeezing that clock. So one thing that I think is going to happen, and it's going to make this offensive line look even better, is the Dolphins are going to put more of an emphasis on running the football just because they're not only going to be playing against opposing teams more often, they're going to be playing against the clock because I don't know if you've heard this, but a lot of people are projecting the Dolphins to have one of the better rosters in the NFL. And for them to kind of maintain that and live up to that standard, it is not only playing well, it's squeezing out the clock forcing opposing teams into a situation where they simply can't win because time is so far against them. Yeah. Especially when you're playing in the elements as well, right? Absolutely. If, yeah. if, if you have a lead in the fourth quarter down in Miami on a really hot day, one of the best things that you can do is pound the rock and get mm -hmm. these defenders, get these defenders tired, get them, get them wishing that the game was over instead of getting them to think how they can climb back into the game because they just got a key third down stop, a, a key three and out from the, the opposing offense. If you can pound the rock at five yards a carry or something close to it, those are automatic first downs, man. And, and that's how you win football games 
in the elements. And that goes for cold weather games as well. The Dolphins play in the AFC East and they play a lot of cold weather games against division rivals. And one of the best ways to win in cold weather is to run the ball well. So if this running game can uh, get better, essentially, uh, and, and this passing game can stay as potent as it was last year, the sky's Trouble. the limit for this Miami Dolphins offense and for this Miami Dolphins team. It could be a very, very special year to be a Miami Dolphins fan. And it shouldn't come as a surprise that Raheem Mostert's best game of the season, I think he rushed for 130 yards in the snow in Buffalo. I mean, that that, that speaks to it right there. And he was doing, you know, we think of Miami's running backs as these uh, speedy bunch who's just trying to get away from tackles. Mostert was doing it with his physicality, which was so much fun to watch too. Uh, Merrick, before we wrap up here, I got two quick questions for you. Number one, give me your starting five. I'd love to hear who you think, or no, not who you think, who you want to be Miami's starting five going into uh, week one against the Chargers. I think I would go with Teron Armstead left tackle. Are you sure? I think, yes. I think, <laughs> I think I might be more sure about that than anything else in this world right now. But Teron Armstead starting left tackle. I think I go Isaiah Wynn starting left guard. I just, I don't know. I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder. I think he's got something to prove. I think uh, his body type fits better as a guard. And reports out of camp are that he's opening holes as a left guard, you know, for that running game. So I think I'd start him at left guard, Connor Williams at center. Um, if he, if something, you know, if this situation doesn't play out in Miami's favor, then Liam Eikenberg at center. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully not. Uh, obviously Robert Hunt at the right guard. And then, I mean, better the devil you know than the devil you don't so i will go with austin jackson as my right tackle after i spent an entire 37 minutes talking crap about him at that position funny how that works right i for some reason when i think about this there's an episode of spongebob where there's a lot of issues going on and patrick comes out and say why don't we take everything and move it over here and all i can think is why don't we take tackles and play them at guard because both with not only Isaiah Wynn, but Ryan Hayes is another one where I think if he's going to have a successful career, and I'm talking about a seventh-round pick here, right? The, it is an uphill battle for this dude, but he is someone he didn't allow a sack in college. He actually looked really, really strong um, in college. So he's another one who I could see sliding into that left guard. So my last question before I wrap up here, give me one surprise. Give me maybe one of these guys who are buried in the depth chart or even a starter who might all of a sudden be buried in the depth chart. Once we're into week four, you know, we're looking around and we're all of a sudden a quarter through the season. I think, I think you're going to see some playing time and not only some playing time, but some solid play from Kendall Lamb. I think, I, like I think he looked good in the, the one half of football he played against the new England Patriots. Um, and I think there's a little more meat on the bone there with him. And I, I hope we get an opportunity to see him play, uh, not at left tackle. I, I again, would prefer uh, Teron Armstead to play the entire season at left tackle. But maybe there is an avenue or an opportunity for Lamb to get some playing time at right tackle. And maybe he will uh, play well there. 
I like that. I like that quite a bit, especially too. I mean, those 32 snaps were just so beautiful last year. So, so beautiful. <laughs> we, need, we need more of that. But Merrick, this has actually been a blast. I don't know. This is the second week in a row we're talking about offensive line. And, and it, believe it or not, there's a lot to dive into. This is going to be a real interesting group. Um, as much as we want the drone shots of, you know, one-handed catches in the end zone throughout training camp, I think my eyes are going to be glued to just the reports of uh, how these offensive linemen look and, and maybe even where they're playing once uh, reporters are allowed to talk about that. But for everyone watching on YouTube, thank you so much for joining us. The same goes for Twitter. You guys are awesome. We greatly appreciate you joining us. And everyone in the Another Dolphins Podcast podcast feed, you can come find us on YouTube. Dolphins Detail, search us find us, hit subscribe, all that fun stuff. But until next time, thank you all so much for joining us. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, baby. The greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground. We're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami